Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2015. This is Jeddah talking about Step 1. G'day everyone, my name's Jeanette Jeddah. I'm a real alcoholic. Hi Jeddah. And um, just amazing to be here. I want to thank David and Chris. What a great presentation. I love AA history. Love it. My sobriety date is the 2nd of January, 91. And I've had nearly 25 years of the most amazing life. I want to thank you guys for inviting me here. And um, I want to thank my man, Joe, that walks on this spiritual new life that we've both been given by our Creator. And thanks to Diane for hosting us for the next few days. And um, I need to be grateful for everything today, for this new amazing life I've been given. So my drinking didn't start until I was 15, I got drunk. And um, that was the first time. And I remember getting out of the car, I'd been to the drive-in with the local yokels and... um, drank half a bottle of Plonk and, you know, sneaking in the house because alcohol wasn't a thing that we had in our home when I grew up. I grew up in quite a religious home. My dad was Aboriginal and mum was a very strict high church of England and, um, you know, dad had been brought up with the missionaries so he was sort of Catholic as well with the spiritual spirituality of the land So I was brought up with all of that and quite screwed up. And, um, but I loved going to Sunday school, you know, and church and all that sort of crap. And, um, I was thrown out of school when I was 14, not because I was a real bad kid, I just hated school. And I just wanted to ride my horse and go to the beach. And that's what I did. And then I got a job and, um, in a florist shop and I bought my first florist when I was 19. By then I was married, five months pregnant. I went home and told mum I was pregnant. Two months later she had me down the aisle in a big white dress and I felt ashamed, very guilty before God. And that was the sort of religion I had, you know, that God would look down at me and I'd feel so ashamed. And I never drank again. For a couple of years, oh, on my 21st, I had a few drinks and I remember um, drinking banana cocktails and cream de monts, you know, and becoming the life of the party and enjoying it and having a good time. By then I had two kids and um, you know, life was pretty good. I was married to a guy that loved to drink and, you know, we had a pretty good life. I ended up having three kids and fostering seven others long-term, did all their engagements and weddings. And um, so life was pretty good, you know. I became alcoholic when I was 28. It's like what the big book says, you know, crushed by a self-crisis I couldn't postpone or evade. And um, something happened in my life and, you know, I started having a few drinks and it started to make me feel good. And um, 
And then by the time my mid-30s, it was like I'm drinking every night, running a business, and um, we had money. I was married to a professional guy in Sydney, and, you know, life was pretty good, and I just loved, I loved the effect of alcohol. I had money to buy anything, but I was found that the four-litre cask of Berry's Moselle was just God's elixir. And uh, I loved it. Didn't even drink it cold. I liked it warm. Got a better effect. And it stunk. And, um, and I started to stink. And, um, you know, bit by bit, the kids started picking at me. God, it's awful when you've got teenagers and they're watching you drink and they're starting to criticise. And, and I'd do anything, you know, for them to love me and want me and need me, as mothers do. So I bought some land up the central coast to grow some marijuana for them. <laughs> and, um, I've got a degree in horticulture, so I grew pretty good stuff. And, uh, and they loved me for a while, you know. And They used to buy me presents of these albums of Cheech and Chong. And they became my heroes. I know this is Alcoholics Anonymous and I don't need to talk about drugs, but this is part of my experience. One day I was sitting on this beautiful rug because I've always been a traveller and we came back from China and bought this beautiful white handmade rug, priceless. And I'm sitting on it watching Cheech and Chong, <laughs> drink, drinking my four-litre cask of Berry's Moselle, which I loved. And they're making these joints a foot long. And, you know, we have an amazing imagination. I thought I'm going to make one of them. So I went out and got the, the mole bowl and I put some newspaper down. And I got all this stuff that I had hanging out the back and mould it all up. And then I thought, what these little papers, you know, and I want to make a big joint. How am I going to do that? You know, and this imagination of mine just took over. Toilet paper. And um, it wasn't too bad. It was like a big wobbly sausage, but it wasn't too bad. And I'm still drinking. I'm watching these two idiots. And um, by then I'm legless. It took me quite a while. And I'm drinking, drinking, drinking. And I lit it and it caught on fire. <laughs> and I'm trying to put it out, and then the newspaper caught on fire, then the mat caught on fire, and I'm like a stunned mullet. I didn't know what the hell I'm going to do. I couldn't stand up. So I rolled, pulled the mat over to try and put it out, and on my hands and knees, I dragged it outside. The hose was there. I turned it on, and I hosed it, and I passed out. And the husband came home screaming at me and yelling at me. And I thought, Jesus, this shit gets me into so much bother, I'm never going to smoke it again. <laughs> and you know what? I hadn't even had a puff of it. I never did. I made a decision and I never, ever did again. But I could never do that with alcohol. So bit by bit, the kids all left home in their teenage years, a whole lot of them. So we're living in this big fancy home, kidless. I thought, thank Christ they've gone, I can drink in peace now. 
But at the times I was sober, you know, that shame and that guilt, and I was still going to church. I'd always been looking for something. And, um, you know, I was joining different religions. I'd been born again seven times in seven <laughs> different churches, even out in Botany Bay, dunked. And, um, and I'd had beautiful spiritual experiences with that, you know, and I'd feel so wonderful and I'd go home and I'd be drinking again to celebrate. <laughs> and I didn't know what was wrong with me. In fact, I didn't even know I was an alcoholic. I thought I was married to an alcoholic and he made me drink to put up with him. And I really believed that when I came into Alcoholics Anonymous. So I ended up going to a psychiatrist, not because I wanted to, but because someone did, told me I wouldn't go. So, you know, I'm sort of rebellious. And I went, but I liked going there because... This psychiatrist would listen to me and I could tell her about the bastard I was married to and she would agree. And she suggested to me that maybe if I went to meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous, I'd hear a message on how to get him sober. So I would toddle off to meetings and by then they, some very clever man had invented the five-litre cask of berries, Moselle. <laughs> And I got on my knees and said, thank you, God, for that clever man that you've created. And, um, you know, that's how crazy I was, just wanting to be a good person. So I'd go to these meetings with my five-litre cask and I'd sit up the back and um, I'd be falling off the chairs. I couldn't go anywhere unless I was topped up. I was a top-up drinker, a daily drinker. And... Um, and you people never told me not to come back. You always said, keep coming back. But one thing you did tell me, which I didn't like about you very much, was you told me to shut my mouth, because uh, I was pretty rowdy. But you always said, keep coming back. And thank God I did. Because one night I was in this meeting half pissed when I heard a woman share, and she had 20 years up at the time, that all an alcoholic is, um, someone that can't stop from starting to drink and when we drink we usually can't stop. And I, you know, it was like my brain was this oyster shell that just started to open up a little bit and I could hear that. And I remember going back saying to the shrink, you won't believe this, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> and she just went, well, hallelujah. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? And I said, I'm going to stop, of course. And one four-letter word she said to me, and I felt deep down inside, was when. The fear, the fear I felt deep down within was the most incredible thing, and I'll never forget that. Well, of course, I made a decision to stop on New Year's Eve, but, of course, the next day I got up and drank again. I couldn't make a decision. But that day I got drunk again and something happened deep down within me and I felt something like a movement, like butterflies. And um, the drinking stopped. But I didn't get up and think, wow, I'm a real alcoholic, I'm going to skip into AA. I come in here on my hands and knees. I was very, very sick. You know, like David was talking about the desperation. I had that. I was doing three meetings a day. 
And um, whatever you told me to do, I did it. I was too frightened not to do it. So I was told to buy a big book, get a sponsor and join a home group. I've got a home group today. I've always had a home group. It's the Fellowship of the Spirit at Tarmel. We meet on a Monday night at 6 o'clock. It's out in a little country town, New South Wales. And um, I've had that home group for a long time. I've always had a home group. I've always had a sponsor. Whatever Bill and Bob did, whatever they have said in this beautiful big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, I've done. I've followed the rules and I've had many experiences. I go through the steps every year, not to be a smart-ass or to learn it all or the knowledge. The big book doesn't keep me sober. The 12 steps don't keep me sober. You people can't keep me sober because my kids couldn't get me sober. But doing the three of those things, the fellowship, having a sponsor and doing the steps take me to have a deeper experience with that amazing creator that lives deep down within me. So how do I know that? Because I always went to church and wanted Jesus to come into my heart. But something never clicked. I could get it in the head, but I could never have an experience in the heart. Then I learn in AA, the heart's only a bloody organ that pumps the blood around the body. So I needed something deeper than that. So, you know, David was going through the doctor's opinion and what I do with physical craving, trying to help people. I had a bit, quite, I gained a lot of knowledge in AA, you know, and I was introduced to a prayer, God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God. I didn't like saying that neither at first. And it, I thought I'd go to hell for sure now. But everything I think I know about me and my disease, so I can have an open heart and an open mind and a new experience with you, God, and all these things. Please let me see the truth. So the paragraph I really like to sit with, the newcomer I'm working with, and I sponsor quite a, people, quite a lot of people today, that's why I love this beautiful gift of alcoholism today. We're given a beautiful gift when we go through these steps to help others. Because my shrink couldn't help me and she told me that's why she sent me to you lot. Because you could carry a message to me. So the paragraph I like is um, the physician who at our request gave us this letter has been kind enough to enlarge upon his views in another statement which follows, in this statement he confirms that we who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. So what is this, uh, this physical craving? What does it really feel like? What's this allergy? I couldn't get it for a couple of years. And people were trying to help me in AA and my mind was so screwed up and thick and twisted. I couldn't get it until someone sat down with me and I got a glass of water and they said to me, you know, pretend it's your Moselle, that beautiful warm Moselle that you love so much. So what's it like before I have a drink? What's going on in the body? You know, and I used to feel even on a beautiful sunny day like a cat walking on a hot tin roof, always anxious 
you know, the body's always anxious. There's always something going on in the mind and this spiritual sickness that creates this unmanageability in me, you know, and sets off this thing in my head. And the only relief I get is when I have this beautiful glass and I don't like the taste at first, I don't like the smell. It really stinks, warm Moselle. But I feel it go down and it's like... And I guess if you're a real alcoholic in the room, you know what that feeling's like. So then something's happening in the body where it's wanting more and more of that. And um, and it's my body's taking me to the drink. It's not even my head now. The body's screaming out for more and more. And, um, and I'm really grateful today that I had those experiences because I can pass those on to others. And um, we're not bad people. We've probably done a lot of bad things. But as a result of going through the steps, you know, we, we get a new life given to us where we can go and make things right. Not to say sorry to people, but to make things right. How amazing is that? I love the line in the book, you know, it says, we absolutely insist on enjoying life and having fun. You know, if others could see that we're miserable and moaning and groaning all the time, why would they want to stay here? I need to have a message of depth and weight, and I've been given that today through the loving grace of God and um, working this beautiful program. So I'm very grateful for everything today. You know, I'll be 70 this year, and I feel like I'm about 30. And... um, and I'm enjoying every minute of life. I don't try to anything I see negative. I just ask God to help me look at the positive in everything. So, so far, so good. You know, 20 bucks for a weekend. You know what? A, a five-litre cask is now $20. <laughs> and I'm here for the whole weekend. <laughs> and Chris has done all the, the cooking with the girls, I believe. I can't wait. You got pavlova? It's the favourite. Sunday. So you've got to be here all weekend. And, um, you know, the best is yet to come. And life, you know, this is the most amazing. Have you told me to shut up yet, love? Oh, you have? Okay. So if you're new, don't stuff around. Get someone to help you and get them to get you into the big book. If they've got other ideas, you go and get someone that works a big book because that's the outline of recovery and it's real. Thanks. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au. Thanks for letting us share.